You're listening to One of One with Sloika, conversations with artists. If you're curious about creators, NFTs, and Web3, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Pam Voth. Let's go. Welcome. Today, I'm sitting down with Roberto Pazzi, who is an Italian multi-award winning and published travel photographer based in Spain. He has a permanent exposition in Singapore and is an author for a Brazilian gallery. He leads photographic expeditions to exotic destinations and remote cultures around the world. His list of publications and exhibitions is so extensive and could take the whole episode if I was going to read them all. (laughs) (laughs) But he has just released his Genesis 101 series on Sloika. It's called People and Stories and features 10 stunning photographs from around the world, along with very insightful observations about those subjects. So we're going to talk to him a bit about that. He also has some work in Solika's Emerging Vision Expedition, which just started in Rome today, and is going to be releasing some work through Montage to Super Rare. So that's really amazing. Welcome, Roberta. I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here with you. The pleasure is mine. I've been wanting to talk to you for a really long time. But I understand you just got back from a trip. Where did you go? Well, this is just a personal trip, just with my girlfriend, because uh, I'm traveling all year long, so sometime I have to pay back, <laughs> you know, <laughs> for the balance. <laughs> but um, now I'm preparing another travel that is in Mongolia. I will be in Mongolia in 10 days. And I will visit the Kazakh hunters and with, uh, with eagles on the mountain close to China border. And in one month, I will be, after this travel, I will be in Papua New Guinea for the Monteagen Festival. That is a very important event when many, many tribes gather together and to celebrate their culture. So very excited about the next steps. <laughs> That's amazing. So did you have your camera with you on your girlfriend trip? <laughs> Yeah, I tried to manage us. <laughs> it's complicated. <laughs> that, that's how it is with us photographers. I know when I when I travel with my husband, there's like, you know, the travel we do together. And then it's like, if I have my camera, he's like, you just go. Because it's... Exactly, like, exactly. You just kind of get on, a, like, on your own little path. Happy, thing. happy that you can understand me. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. Absolutely. So I want to get back to photography, like the work photography, the art photography that you're doing. Tell me how it all started for you. How did you get into doing this cultural photography that you do now? But it's something strange because I started to, to um, uh, follow this passion for photography only 10 years ago. I never took a picture before. Uh, I was already traveling. I'm traveling since I was very, very young as a backpacker. So I saw many, many places that I couldn't record and document with my camera. In 2013, I had a present, a very good camera, and was already five, six months that I started to become curious, just curious about about photography as a a way to document what I was visiting and see with my my, my eyes. And so I, I went to Indonesia. I visited different islands in Indonesia, and my strongest experience was to visit Dani tribes. I took some pictures of them, and my f- very first picture in my, my career, let's say. And once back to home, uh, I start to share on the usual uh, 
portals, photography portals that we are around. First of all, uh, 500 Peaks, my, my favorite one. And I was lucky because many newspapers uh, noticed my picture and asked me some interview or uh, made some articles. Among them, the Daily Mail and others, the Times, Telegraph. And that gave me a big push on this way. So I felt the need to go farther, deep inside this world. And then step by step, here we are. So I, I merged at that point my old passion for travels with the new passion for, for photography. That's excellent. That's excellent. That must have been such a thrill to have that work be just noticed by all of these media outlets worldwide. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they were mostly UK media, so very important mm -hmm. media. And that gave me a, a very high visibility, even if for a short period, but I took advantage of this. At that point, I was already thinking about my life. <laughs> I mean, uh, the values, uh, human values in life. All my travels taught me that the very important things are very different from the usual things that we have uh, in our society all the day around us. And so um, once photography entered in my life, I decided to make uh, traveling photography my whole life. And I decided to change completely uh, my previous life. I left my work. I quit my job. I changed. I look at myself also from Italy to Spain. And I started to try to survive with these passions, travel and photography. I opened my first gallery here in, uh, in Palma and was the first experience that confirmed me that I could make something more with my photography. I had many people interested in my works uh, and after that I started to open my expedition to other photographers. And here we are today leading uh, photo tours in uh, remotest, to the remotest culture in the world. Mm, that's amazing. So when you're photographing these cultures, these very remote places, why do you feel like this is important to document these things that you see in these cultures that you visit? It's a need I feel, and I think it is related to the process of globalization and the risk of fading away of these cultures and tribes. Not necessarily, I'm talking about just the people, I mean also traditions. I mean, there are many, many parts of the same culture that are at risk. The food also, and there are many pollution that could be from the environmental pollution, uh, the environment uh, up to the dressing. So everything is, is, is moving and not, not always in the, the, the good direction. I mean, uh, of course, uh, as uh, we did in the first war, also these people uh, need and deserve a better condition to move forward. But uh, this growth for them is too fast with respect to the one that we had in our, in our story, history. I mean, what I mean is, uh, for example, we passed from the communication on paper and mobile in uh, maybe 70 years. Nothing about that is happening to them because uh, they passed from the, the, the smoke really uh, to the, the mobile uh, in few years. And this has changed everything. The new generation in this culture look at us uh, like in a wrong way, like point of arrival for them. And they forgot that many, many aspects of their culture are the right point, according to me, uh, the relationship with the um, environment, relationship uh, with uh, the generation. There are many things that we can uh, say from them. And I try with photography to collect uh, this thing, to write these this things on pixel and today finally on blockchain. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And then once it's on blockchain, then it's going to be here for generations in the future to, exactly. to really appreciate. Exactly. Exactly. I think it's really, really, really an important thing. So what would you hope that people would get from the photos? I mean, I think that first of all, that they're stunning visually because you have, you're able to capture these like such deep connections with humans that you're photographing. And so I think that that it comes through emotionally where you just, you feel like you might be right there with that person that you're photographing. And I feel like you always are including environment around as well. So you're giving us context for where that person is. So as far as your viewers of the photography, what would you hope that they would get? From these photos? I try with my photos to tell the story of the culture or the people that I meet. So I used to spend uh, a lot of time with the people that I meet because I need to understand before all, before I take a picture, what I had to include in my picture concerning some characteristic of their culture or some story, specific story of their life, the lives. So what I do normally, once I have all this data, I try to summarize uh, in uh, as few pictures as I can all uh, uh, this culture. And what I would like the observer uh, see my picture is uh, exactly what I want to stop and to save from this moment and this specific culture. Well, I, I don't want to, 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 to talk too much around this point, but uh, this is the point. Uh, I started, as probably many photographers uh, are used to do, with the close portrait, because uh, according to me, the people, their faces, their emotion were uh, like a books, and uh, every um, wrinkles are uh, like a line of the story of their life, so of this book. Then, uh, growing in terms of photographic skills, I felt the need to say something more about the environment. And so I um, use this uh, a shorter focal length in order to open a little bit more my angle and include in my, my composition more uh, detail about not only the person, but also his or her life, their lives. And uh, after that, uh, I try to include in this composition items that could help to tell the story of them. Uh, one of my um, most spread collection is Discovery. That is a collection of many, many tribes uh, from different countries around the world. And I tell the story of, uh, in, in the description of each photo of these tribes. And the picture is exactly the collection of this point. This is uh, what I love to do more and what I try to do to bring uh, the observer. Yeah, you really put us right in the place with you. <laughs> like, you know, through your lens, I feel, I can feel the dust on my skin or the heat from the fire, you know, like for this one photo that you have that's part of this world on foundation that's like a curated, was, I think it was called the morning fire or something. And the, the young, the young men fire. are, yeah. yeah, are with their cattle yeah. right behind them, right with them, with that fire. And yeah, yeah I feel exactly like it's just, we're just yeah, right there you. with you. And I was curious if you have this, do you have a feeling about humanity and about our sort of future as a species after visiting all these very remote places? I know you're talking about globalization and about how things, you know, culturally might be being lost. And of course, there's very important parts of culture with people living in harmony with the land where they're eating the things that are available and they're, you know, not overusing resources, you know, before globalization kind of kicked in. What is your overall feeling about our survival as a species? Is there hope? 
<laughs> well, I'm not so optimistic, to be honest. It's not because I am a very optimistic person. I always have a smile on. And uh, even because I, I do what I really love in my life, so I could be different of that. But uh, traveling around the world, I notice year, year by year a uh, situation that uh, let me think uh, about that. Uh, one example, um, and under the eyes of everyone, is uh, the classical uh, issue of pollution. I can find plastic everywhere, everywhere, and uh, so deep inside culture, so deep inside environment, so deep. And it looks like we are not able to stop and either to slow down this kind of uh, what is going on, I mean. And what I like to, when I hear this kind of speech or what I like to, to share is that I really think that we have a lot to learn about this culture because they can live, not only survive, they can really live with a very good quality of life and in a sustainable way, in sustainable way. I mean, please uh, fix my, my English if you feel it's too far from the, the proper no, line. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, because they are carrying on their life with uh, many, many tools and other things and, and that are so compliant with the environmental condition. Also, the food that they need, what they do is not so far away from the right balance with the nature. So different uh, respect our, our culture. So, I mean, uh, it's not possible to, to step back from the growth. It's not fair, according to me. It's not right to do it. But I think that we have another resource. I start thinking about our, our knowledge and brains to carry on with technology in the proper way. Taking more care and attention about environmental condition or health or the quality of life of the people I mean, in our first war. Well, another example that I love to do is how it's easy to find uh, very young guys sitting uh, aside to elderly people and talking like friends in this culture. What the elder, the term elder, is more used as a name, a substantive, not an adjective. I mean, it is something that is honorable and not just uh, the older person, the family. In our society, luckily it's not the case of, of everyone, but uh, the elder are almost a problem not a resource. For them, uh, in this culture, uh, the elder is uh, a point or ferment. Is, is, uh, I mean, the, the keeper of the culture is... So I think that we have a lot that we can learn about these people. That's because I think that uh, we can, uh, can have a hope <laughs> because we're still an example to follow and to try to yeah. make the best we can in our society. Yeah, that gives me hope. I'm glad that... <laughs> That you see that there might be something good out there with learning from the elders and the people who hold the wisdom and hold the experience from the past days and past years. Along with this forward thinking technology and people trying to come up with new ideas to make to make it work. Like you said, it's hard to go back. It's almost it's nearly impossible to go back from where we find ourselves now with the advancement of technology. But let's try to do it in a sustainable way. I had a, just a logistics question for you because yeah, I've please. seen this behind the behind the scenes video of you getting up and early and going in a boat to go visit these young men with their cattle and all of this. You know, you share some behind the scene footage when you do these very remote photo shoots. How do you personally sustain yourself? How do you maintain getting clean water and enough food and all of that? Are you eating what the local people are eating when you're there? Or like, tell us what it's like, you know, to sustain yourself as your own human being when you're in such a different culture and different environment. 
Yeah, and of course, there are uh, different conditions that I faced. Yeah. The most uh, challenging condition I think I had in uh, West Papua. It was uh, 2013, and the first travel in my life. And I was visiting the Dani, Dani tribe. I decided once there to visit the Palian Valley, where the Dani are uh, settled, uh, without any guide. Uh, it was a, um, a choice, but I made this choice because I would like to avoid to be cut off in the communication with uh, the local people and a uh, possible guide. So I carry my backpack with sugar and cigarettes and some candies for, for the children and uh, some basic food. I made just a trekking of three days, so not that so many days. And I walked just with a road map drawn by a local uh, local people in the Wamena, the main city in the valley, before to leave. So uh, it was not so complicated because uh, the main path is following the river. The river is, is um, drawing a valley, so you have to cross sometimes the river. Not so complicated. And once uh, I uh, was approaching the villages, the villages are the typical villages there, like and, you know, the fence in, in wooden, uh, surrounded by wood, with the huts inside, the smoke uh, that you can see exiting from, from inside the village. And as usual, the children are the first ones that are outside the village and notice you, and so may start to make noise, and you are something unexpected, I mean, something completely out of order. <laughs> so they start to... First curious, then scared, then fun, as usual, until uh, the elderly chief, of course, after all this noise, is coming outside the village with a hand behind his back, walking, uh, reaching me and uh, start to shake uh, my hand for a long time, staring me for, for uh, minutes without any words. And uh, I mean, this is a way to, look, to read your soul. Once uh, you are accepted the village, 99% of the time it happened this way, because even because they know that we are carrying something for them. I trade sugar and cigarettes for uh, basic foods. I traded at this time that were vegetable mean, and um, sweet potatoes. And they, uh, they, their diet is uh, mainly based on this food. And uh, the fire uh, that I used to boil the water to drink. I have a little reserve for me, but of course I cannot carry with me three days of water, even because my photographic gear is... 12 kilos already, so then I right. have something. Yes. Then water I have some. lens, water lens, water exactly. lens, lens, all lenses. All the time. Lenses. <laughs> lenses for sure. <laughs> what is water? <laughs> That's not so meaningful. <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, I trade this good also, also for uh, hot water sleep. So I had some food with them, I spent my time with them, I took my, some pictures of them. And these are the pictures that were published, as I told you at the beginning of this interview, by these media around the world. Mm -hmm. This is one of the most, of course, extreme situations I live. But also when I have been to Cambodia, for example, I visited Mondulkiri, that is the wildest part, one of the wildest parts in Cambodia. Uh, I entered in Cambodia through the Mekong River from Laos. And uh, once uh, in, uh, in Mondulkiri, I decided to stay for a few days uh, trekking there. I was alone again. And uh, I, um, I met some farmer that gave me vegetables from the farms, corns mainly. And uh, I prepare <laughs> some food. I have some picture of that. I prepare some food using uh, sugar cane that I made empty. And uh, like a pot, to use like a pot to fill uh, like few water, some rice that I had with me and some vegetables that I collected. 
I put the skin uh, on the fire and then uh, I had my, my food. This is uh, the most healthy way, I think, <laughs> to add something to it. Uh, that is uh, also <laughs> following my, my diet. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I find that when I travel, I kind of just like throw my own diet out the window and just like try to eat what's local or, you know, even if it's maybe something that's not on my normal, <laughs> my normal daily, I'd be like, okay, I'll try this. And But for me, it was more of a matter of like, I don't want to offend people who are going to trouble to feed me because I'm the traveler there. But it sounds like, you know, they weren't expecting you at all. I, I love this vision of of the children coming out to meet you and then making so much of a ruckus that now here comes the chief. <laughs> like, exactly, exactly. What is happening out here? <laughs> it's fantastic. And this kind of countries, these cultures, the most complicated thing is to skip the food that they offer to you. <laughs> because um, if you are visiting market, you are visiting, is for them is almost, these are their words, it's an honor to have someone that is coming to visit them. I asked to them, I was in Guyarat a few months ago, it was March, and I was uh, leading an expedition of uh, eight photographers. And in a, at a certain point, I lost the control of the group. <laughs> and so everyone <laughs> was shutting uh, the same people uh, that was pretty scared. So I had to stop them to explain something concerning how to approach this kind of people. And then uh, to be polite with the people, I asked them just a genuine question. Uh, what do you think about us? I mean, about a photographer outside your, the door of your house, uh, taking picture of your house or you or your family. I mean, it's not so polite. In our culture, 99% uh, of the people call the police. And they say, for us, it's a real honor to, to see mm. people coming far from so far away up until our door and start to take picture of us. And uh, I like to spend time with the people because uh, really I, I think that, first of all, I'm curious. I really want to know uh, about mm -hmm. them, about their story, and, and personal story and cultural story. And then I think it's a good exchange also for them. I remember I was in uh, Namibia and I spent one day in the Himba village after I brought a lot of food, uh, almost 35 kilos of food. Well, they were 50, and 35 is not enough, but for a few days, I mean, they were um, become so welcoming. They are welcome in any case, but they asked me to stay with them. And uh, I had a guide at this time, a local local guide that helped me to translate. And so was so pleasing to, to stay with them and to share many, many, many things. And I remember one simple question that they, I asked to them, uh, how do you survive? What do you do during the day? Uh, mostly women. And they told me about their activities. And then one of them looked at me and say, how do you live? What do you do? I find myself trying to explain to a Himba yeah. woman and to a Himba tribe that I was uh -huh. living, turning around the world by playing, taking picture, and uh, sharing the picture on the blockchain. So you can imagine, it's not a simple work. Simple I, work. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, this is a, a very funny moment. And also the situation, uh, many of the questions that uh, they uh, were addressing to me were similar, like the same question that the children are, are making us here in our, in our society. Because, of course, for them, many of the things that for us are common, for them are uh, uh, absolutely out of order. 
Wow. Really fun stories. I was curious. I, that's one of the things I wanted to ask you, because now that you, I can tell you kind of go out on your own to do some photography. And then there's other times when you take other people with you. And I was curious about how those people behave, because I think when I'm out there by myself, I can have some control of the situation in terms of just how I react to it. And it's just like me and the world as opposed to like, yeah. I'm in charge of these other people who are like misbehaving and then it <laughs> reflects badly, you know, and it is hard to kind of impart your own philosophy and way to the other people because that's how you, I think, get your amazing photos is you're not just like barging in there and like, ah, oh, let me just come out, you know, shooting. But like you said, you want to connect to people, you want to respect what you find there. And I feel like that's maybe that comes from your early days of backpacking around the world when, you know, you were finding a way just yourself with the world. And yeah, yeah. I think that comes through in your in your photos. Do you feel like the people who you are guiding, are they getting as good of photos as you? If you were just looking at them objectively, which might be hard to do, because <laughs> we always feel like how we would well, do something is you know, the right way. But <laughs> what do you think? No, um, 90% of the people uh, um, I'm traveling are very expert travelers, travelers and, mm -hmm. and photographers and passionate mostly. So they are taking amazing, amazing pictures, everyone with their own style uh, and looking for the, to complete a part of their own project. Someone for architecture, someone uh, infrared, someone else a book, uh, someone else I mean, uh, a collection of trials, guides, or something. Uh, but uh, many of them are taking absolutely great, uh, great pictures. And mm -hmm. concerning the behavior of people uh, in this culture, I think that there are at least a couple of aspects to take into account. First one is the, I mean, uh, the knowledge of the rule that the culture has, the difference with respect of us. One example, just to make clearer, is uh, to sit at the table, uh, for example, when you are to sit on the ground, when you have your food, uh, without to put your feet in forward uh, because the feet are not respect for the for the table. I mean. Uh, just a simple example, but uh, is uh, is meaningful. And another aspect instead is these are rules. I mean that someone could not know before. So my work, my role is to to share with them some basic rule to avoid that these things could happen. There, there are other things that are more humans, <laughs> and we all are passionate about uh, photos. We we all uh, we want to complete our uh, reportage or we want that picture. And so uh, we are like children start playing and we forget uh, we are interacting with other people. And me first. <laughs> so <laughs> sometimes I had to call myself and other people uh, to a more quiet and polite uh, attitude. But let's say uh, people that we are approaching, uh, there's not a good contact. Uh, before uh, I like to approach uh, people and people traveling with me, I ask the same without to use the camera, just introduce ourselves, uh, just to exchange uh, a couple of words concerning us, concerning them, uh, and visiting the place, uh, and then slowly, slowly introduce the cameras and everything become a, a, a game, uh, also also for, uh, for them, absolutely. So these are mainly the two aspects that I had to take care of when, when I travel with people. But when I travel alone, of course, everything is easier. I can spend all the day long if I, if I want, I mean, I'm not a schedule. So sometimes I stay, for example, that you said before, uh, in the South Sudan with the Mandari tribe. I stay for one week, 25 minutes. I bought uh, 
far away from the, this cattle camp. And I was wake up every night uh, at four, uh, crossing the, the river and then the White Nile uh, River. And then arriving at the cattle camp before the sunrise. And so just also enjoy this atmosphere uh, over there. Mm-hmm. For me, I'm a, a traveler, first time photographer. So for me, the experience of the travel is still very important. And I, I, that's because I spend so long time with, uh, with people. Yeah. Those smells and that, you know, even just the feel of the air and all of that probably are still with you and you could call that up at any time. The noise of the animals, is that, is yeah, that, yeah, the, the dust and the starry sky. Sniffling and snorting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, the cows. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I wanted to follow up with a question before we wrap up, but I think you've kind of answered it so much, but that was kind of why did you get started with NFTs with your photography? But I feel like you've probably given it a lot of thought and this preserving these cultures and preserving these images on the blockchain is probably part of that answer. But can you tell us how you really started off getting into NFTs? Yeah, it was almost by chance because I was right in the middle of my change of life. And so I, my first focus for my first time was to survive, literally. <laughs> so to find an incoming uh, that allowed me to survive. And mostly, as I told you before, I started 2030 taking picture. I changed my life 2016, 15-16. I relocated in Spain and I started to open this uh, gallery and that had also a winery corner inside for the hostel, the gallery. And I was learning during the, those years about my photography, about art, uh, about uh, communication in this new world for me. And so NFTs blockchain was something too far at that point in respect to my physical needs, my physical needs in life. Uh, in 2018, I sold my gallery because I felt the need to travel uh, like I did before. And the gallery was absorbing so, so much time and it was impossible to, to remain free during, um, during month for, for moving, for uh, uh, going on to do, to follow my passion of travels. And I start 2018 uh, to open my activities for um, bring people around the world with me, with photographers mostly. And then Andenia hit me hard, like every, everyone else, of course. At that point, uh, I love to say that uh, 2021, the year, 2020, sorry, 2021, the two years when the pandemic hit very strong, the COVID hit very strong, was uh, were for me uh, a good chance uh, to stop, to reflect, to take a breath, uh, to analyze my situation. So, of course, I couldn't travel anymore. I started to take part of uh, awards, competitions around the world, first time in my life. And I was uh, pretty lucky because in that year, uh, I won so many competitions and uh, so many prizes that gave me more visibility. After that, uh, I have been contacted by many people that uh, suggest to me to approach the blockchain. Uh, I wasn't, I neither knew what was a blockchain, what was an NFT. And so after the third time I listen uh, this uh, acronym, NFT, I say, oh, okay, let me Google it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I started on uh, May 2021 to, uh, with, with uh, OpenSea. To, I started my collection of uh, 100 portraits on, of course, Ethereum blockchain. And uh, I was lucky because uh, it had been sold out in a few months. 
So I sold all the pieces of my 100 collection. And uh, I started with Discovery collection on uh, Foundation and uh, another collection of 100 pieces. And today I sold almost 40 pieces of this collection. Then uh, I decided to make a one step forward in my in my life in sense of this part of traveling, organization of traveling. And so I joined a company here in Spain that is doing these activities since 2010, more or less, 2011. And the one first class, uh, Nomad Photo Expedition is the name, one of the first class companies that compete with National Geographic and other very, very high level agencies. And so I need time to, to organize myself again and to merge the two realities, my reality with the, the new one I was approaching. And at that point, I had to stop my activity with NFTs again. And just a few months ago, when everything was worked out, I started again this, this kind of, say, passion, because at the end, it's, it's a passion. The way the community, the, the, the model of approach that, that, that galleries has, I really like, I really like this world. Because I say it's not fair, it's not neither right uh, to step back from technology. I love technology. I'm, I'm a software engineer. Then uh, I was making completely different life before, before to uh, embrace uh, photography and travels. Um, so I know what innovation and technology are. And I know that they could be very useful. But I think that uh, once, uh, once again, uh, we need to make it in, uh, in a proper way. It's not, uh, as usual, not uh, the, the fault of the instrument that we are using, but the way we are using the instrument to make a difference. Mm-hmm. That's great. I, I love hearing how you came about to finding NFTs. And I think it's a, I think it's a perfect matchup, actually. <laughs> that sounds Thank amazing. You. Thank you. Yeah. So I know you talked about there's some upcoming trips for you. So we're going to be looking and seeing how soon do you turn around photos from trips like that? Is it like weeks or are you like me and take several months to get an edited set together from like the trip that you're going to be taking to Mongolia and and the others? I think that I will start on this picture or after my traveling up, of course, because I don't have enough time between the two travels. And uh, I will start to work on the Mongolian photos as soon as I will be back. But these two travels uh, are the last two I had my, in my plan for um, a book. I will realize a personal book on my 10 years of, first 10 years of photography, 2013-2023. And it was uh, something that I had uh, in my mind and uh, I, would like to, I would like to close in 2021. But uh, of course, the pandemic uh, made it a little bit more uh, shifted forward. And I was waiting for South Sudan as a destination, Mongolia, Papua New Guinea, and Uzbekistan uh, and Namibia. I completed now almost uh, all of them, just the two last two are, uh, are waiting. So after that, I realized this book that I'm not sure how to approach. I already made a selection, the selection of the years of these photos. I will add the new one that I'm going to take it, but I had to think about how to approach this project if to make something more personal or uh, something uh, more concerning photography, full photography. Anyway, I, um, I already uh, realized uh, books in my previous life and uh, galleries, when I had the galleries. And it was a very good experience, so a good gene to, to, to prepare a new, new project now. Let's see with these two travels, very excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's really awesome. Well, we'll look forward to seeing that. And we'll also look forward to seeing the work that you're going to be putting on the Super Rare 
through montage. Yeah, yeah. So we'll link to all of those things and be on the lookout for more amazing remote travel and cultural insight from you in the future. Thank you so much, Pam. Thank you so much also, Sloik, um, and for your position, uh, for the opportunities you gave me, starting from uh, the Hita War uh, to the last montage for uh, Super Rave. Really appreciate uh, your support, uh, and thank you also for this time, for this interview. Yeah, thank you for your time. And stay safe out there. We'll look at uh, lenses, not water, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> More lenses. <laughs> a photographer right. could live without water, but not without lenses. All these dehydrated photographers out there. <laughs> thank you so much, Roberto. Thank you. Thank you. We'll talk again soon. Bye. <laughs> bye. Bye.